0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Amen. Amen. It's great to uh, say about you know, what we've been learning about. And uh, it's great to be together this morning. As I mentioned uh, earlier, we're uh, closing out a worship series we've been doing called Eye of the Storm. And it's been, uh, we've been looking at the book of Daniel. Uh, So we're going to be finishing out our series today. If you want to catch up, if you haven't been around, if you've only caught a couple of these, uh, make sure you get our app. I don't have my phone here, but oh yeah, I do. So you go to, I just have to demonstrate. So you go to the app store and uh, look for South Bay Church. Look for our logo and uh, and then download that app. And so even right now as we're uh, going through this lesson, if you click on notes... Um, you will see the Sunday announcements. you click on more notes and you'll see today's lesson, which is Future Glory. Uh, and then also, if you click on uh, listen, you can hear all the back issues of, of this series. So uh, going back to the, the slide there, thank you for throwing that up, guys. So the title of the lesson today is uh, Future, whoops, here we go. Future Glory. And uh, we looked last week on uh, Daniel seven, eight, and nine. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at 10, 11, and 12. And uh, so this part of the Bible is one of the kind of deepest and thickest and hardest to understand. Uh, We talked last week a little bit about the nature of apocalyptic literature. Uh, The bulk of apocalyptic literature is actually found outside the Bible, most of it written between the Testaments, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So by the time Jesus and the Apostles came on the scene, there was already this language and this understanding of this type of literature and what some of these symbols meant. And so when, when a first century disciple read the book of Revelation, a lot of things translated to them that maybe don't necessarily translate to you and I. Uh, but we can gain some understanding. So I think under, uh, uh, understanding a little bit of how to approach apocalyptic literature is important. Now, about four or five of you. Uh, oh, thank you, bro. I am obviously a little under the weather. So forgive me while I take a swig of this. Water. There's a scripture about that. So he is blessed. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> so um, about four or five of you came up to me last week after the lesson and were like, "Oh, that was so amazing! I love the Old Testament. I love uh, history. I love digging into this stuff. I love deeper teaching. That was so great." But I know there was at least as many, if not more, that were like bored last week. And um, So I just want to tell you, I did warn you, uh, I appreciate you not lining up to tell me that you were bored with the lesson. Um, One brother did send me an email asking if I needed some help with sermon preparation because it seemed like I tried to fit too much in. And uh, so, amen, you know, (coughs) I'm sorry about that. So what I'm going to do today is review a little bit of last week. And then we're gonna to lightly touch on uh, 10, 11, and 12. We could easily spend four hours on just these three chapters, uh, but we're not gonna do that today. Uh, some, I, got a, I got a strong amen right there. So just to review a little bit, uh, Steve talked about the statue that we see in Daniel 2. You guys remember that? <clears throat> oh, I sound like a teenager. Remember that? Uh, so the, in Daniel 2, you had these four empires that were represented in this statue. Babylon, Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire. Now in Daniel 7, what we looked at last week, you have the same, uh, the same kingdoms. So there's this beast, which represents Babylon, this beach with beast, which represents Medo-Persia. Um, you can kind of barely see, but in the story, he has three ribs in his mouth. Why does he have three ribs in his mouth? Because he just got done eating three other kingdoms. The three other kingdoms he just got done eating were Babylon. <coughs> before that was Assyria, and before that was Egypt. Before that, those there was no real big empires ever on, on planet Earth. It was really Egypt, then Assyria, and then these. So this is a historic time in kind of humanity's, uh, you know, the, the story of humanity and God's story in interacting with humanity. But anyway, that's why he has those three ribs. Then you have uh, the Greek beast. He has four heads. That's because the Greek empire was quickly split into four after Alexander the Great. We kind of talked about that a little bit. And then you had this really funky looking beast. And he had ten horns and then one boastful horn. Remember the picture of the boastful horn last week? So that boastful horn represented Emperor Domitian. Now just to remind you, Emperor Domitian, that happens in AD 80. He remember he was in the original 80s <laughs> not the recent 80s so Daniel is writing in 550 BC about a figure that would come in 80 that's pretty amazing isn't it and giving real specific things we're going to see even more specific things today that you can look into if you if you want right. then uh, we looked at Daniel 8 In Daniel 8 there's a, a ram and a goat the ram has got one horn is longer than the other you say what is that about well it's because that represents the Medo-Persian empire and the, the Persians were more powerful than the Medes, so it was a little uneven. And, and then the goat has got this one horn that breaks into four horns. Again, that's representing Greece and how it broke into four. And then the, another horn, another boastful horn, that is Antio- Antiochus. So you say, well, why didn't Daniel do that in chronological order? Well, it's because, again, when we look at apocalyptic literature, we talked about it's like looking down on a game board there's not a real sense of chronology sometimes. If you read the book of Revelation, it'll be talking about things from like the Garden of Eden, and then it'll be talking about the final Garden of Paradise. And it kind of mixes up all these images. So so history is not seen in terms of chronology, but it is seen in terms of themes. And so these two leaders are very similar to one another in that they persecuted God's people. Domitian persecuted the Christians, Antiochus persecuted the Jews. Uh, that it was forced Hellenization, trying to force them to be Greeks. And if you remember both of them, it mentions this idea of the abomination that causes desolation. And we talked about how that's a popular term with, uh, with heavy metal bands. They like that, th- that idea. But what it was, was it, it was forcing pe- God's people to try to worship something other than God. For example, in the case of Antiochus, he, set up a te- uh, he made the Lord's temple into a temple for Zeus. And he put a statue to Zeus, and he sacrificed a pig on the altar of God. Just horrible stuff. And so Jesus in Matthew 24 says, you're going to see the abomination that causes desolation. And he's talking about Domitian, who was to come after Jesus. So, so again, these themes uh, kind of return in Scripture, and it helps to understand a little bit of the language. So we also looked at how Jesus is right there in Daniel 7. It's a scripture that he claimed where he says, you will see the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He's claiming this verse from Daniel 7 where it says, this Son of Man figure approached the ancient day of days and he was given all authority and all kingdoms on the whole earth, all languages will all worship him forever. He will establish a kingdom that will never be destroyed and it will be possessed by the saints forever. So the kingdom of God will trump all of these kingdoms. It's more powerful than any nation on earth. And it endures forever. And indeed, that is what happened. At the time of the Roman Empire, Jesus came in the form of a servant. servant, And he established a kingdom that has never been destroyed to this day. And we are still recipients of that kingdom. We are part of that kingdom of God. So it just makes you take uh, personally what we're a part of. That This is more than just coming to church. This is not just a social gathering. This is, a, this is an apocalyptic gathering. You know, this is, we are a gathering of the Lord's people who are waiting his return. That's really what the, the early disciples felt like. We are outside of culture. Yes, we are a part of the Roman Empire. Yes, we are a part of, of whatever the existing uh, structure is, but in our hearts, we are really citizens of heaven. Amen. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a dual citizenship. You are, you're a citizen of heaven first. Secondly, a citizen of America. And when things go, tr- tr- uh, uh, turbulent times happen in our country or I mean, our country could be overrun by Muslims and ISIS could conquer America. And we still have hope because our hope is not in America. Our hope is in the kingdom of God. So that's what's so encouraging about these these uh, images. <coughs> we talked about Daniel's response to the big picture. He was overwhelmed a little bit in uh, in Daniel seven, it says I, Daniel was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale. You can get overwhelmed when you see God's big picture story, yeah. and uh, you know if you're studying the Bible right now, if you're a teenager who's studying the Bible, you might get a little overwhelmed. If you are uh, new to, to Christianity, you might be like, "Wow, this is intense." Well, that's because God is intense. Yeah. And uh, God's, God's big picture is sometimes more than we can handle. Even Jesus told his own disciples in John 16, 12, he says, there's a lot more to tell you, but it's more than you can handle right now. So I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to guide you into all truth. You know, there are people sitting here in the audience who, if you would have told them they would be leading a Bible talk, they would be like, no way, you know, or if you would have told them they were being pure, they were, they were waiting to have sex until they got married. If you would have told them that. They would have been like, no way. <laughs> or, 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 you know, whatever it is, God's God's vision for your life is sometimes a little overwhelming, but that's okay. Stick with him. He created you. He knows. He designed you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what's going to fulfill you. And you trust him. The second thing is he got up and went to work. I like this verse. It says he was overwhelmed. He was exhausted for several days. Daniel 8 27. Then I got up and went about the king's business. So he he he's he sees his amazing visions. But then he's still got to go to work. And that's a lot of us, you know, almost everybody here. We love the kingdom. We love God, but we still got to go to work. But the great thing is that's where God can move. God can be glorified in our daily, consistent, faithful lives. Uh, that's where the kingdom really shines is out there in the world, out there in the secular society. That's where the kingdom can really shine if we all are little Jesuses, you know, in each of our environments at school or on the job. Uh, Appreciate Pat and Holly Toomey, we were having lunch this week and, uh, you know, we were closing up our lunch and Pat is like, oh, I gotta go. I gotta meet with four billionaires right now. (laughs) You know, I have never uttered that sentence in my life. (laughs) But you know, Pat has this job where he's, he's selling, I mean, a a simplified version of what he's doing is selling malls, but he, he has this job where he, he's in an environment where everybody else is like, the the work is number one, you know, and they're, they're super late and, and they just care about the bottom line. They, all they care about is is making money. They don't worry about lying. They don't worry about, you know I mean? There's not ethics in that environment. And he, Pat is in there as a disciple and told Pat, I appreciate you doing that. We need our young people need guys they can look to that are, are doing well on the job. And, and they're, they're, I mean, it's hard. You know, Pat sometimes is like, I would like to just quit this job and just, you know, uh, I don't know what. <laughs> uh, but he's doing it so that he can serve his family and serve the kingdom. And he's doing that by just getting up and going to work and being a disciple. That really matters. The third thing he did is he he prayed. Uh, I love this verse in Daniel 9 where, where Daniel understands Uh, This prophecy of Jeremiah, like God reveals to him what's really going on in the big picture. I don't know if he was reading a scroll of Jeremiah or he had it memorized or what, but Daniel is all alone in this secular society. His family's back uh, in in Jerusalem, his heritage, his culture, but he's alone in this in in this uh, new empire of a Medo-Persian Empire, and he realizes Jeremiah prophesied that after 70 years, his people would be able to return. And he kind of gets that and he goes, Wow. That's about now. And his heart catches fire. That's what happens when we, when we get God's vision, when we understand, you know, prophecy. When we understand what God's really doing. Remember the guys on the road to Emmaus when Jesus himself appeared to them? Luke 24. They didn't know who he was, but he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And it says he explained to them what all the scriptures said about himself. That would be so cool. Jesus trying to explain to you what prophecies about himself and you didn't realize it was him. <clears throat> but it says, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures and began to explain to us? You know, that's what happens when we get the big picture, as our hearts get on fire. And so Daniel, I mean, Daniel is so uh, amazed by this, he, he just prays, God of heaven, you have done all, all these amazing things, but we have sinned against you, and we have uh, violated your commands, and we, you know, he, he prays this corporate prayer, uh, putting himself in there with the rest of the people. Even though he lived a great life, he doesn't say, You know, I've been awesome, but everybody else, he says, no, we have sinned. We have been wicked and rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws, verse 5. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, verse 6. But as he's praying, as he's confessing, heaven takes notice. And we read this verse last week, verse 22 of Daniel chapter 9. Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. This is the angel Gabriel speaking to him as soon as you begin to pray, a word went out, which I've come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So we're just going to have two points today. The first one is faithful living gets heavenly support. Can you imagine if you were praying and the angel Gabriel showed up and said, as soon as you started praying, I got the command to come down here. So here I am. Man, that's so awesome. and 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 so heaven takes note of the faithful and there's angelic warfare spiritual warfare going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of but when we pray we enter that battle and so that that leads us to daniel 7 we see the same uh, daniel 10 rather we see the same thing here in daniel 10 if you turn there with me daniel 10 verse 1 through 9 daniel sees a vision that is echoed in the book of uh, uh, the book of uh, revelation and and the new jerusalem and some of the things that that John sees echo uh, the book of Daniel. And so that's why if you want to understand Revelation, I never understood Revelation nearly as well until I really read Daniel and understood Daniel. If you read Daniel, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and you know those books well, then you really get so much more out of Revelation because it builds on that framework. In fact, there's 300 to 400 references to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. Three to 400, depending on how you count some of them. So it it really builds on this stuff. So there's this vision that he has, and uh, then verse 10, this this angel appears to him. A hand touched me and sent me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. When he said to this me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, "'Do not be afraid, Daniel, "'since the first day you set your mind "'to gain understanding "'and to humble yourself before your God, "'your words were heard, "'and I have come in response to them.'" So this is a second angel that comes. (coughs) Verse 13. "'But the prince of the Persian kingdom "'resisted me, 21 days. "'Then Michael, one of the chief princes, "'came to help me "'because I was detained there "'with the king of Persia. "'Now I've come to explain to you "'what will happen to your people in the future.'" For the vision concerns a time yet to come. We talking about angel, uh, talking about princes. He's talking about angels. So this angel says, "I I got the call to come and respond to your prayer the minute you started praying, but I was I was blocked. I was blocked by this other angelic figure, this prince of Persia, and so we were in this battle for 21 days, and that's not meant to be taken literally. We don't know how long it how long it was." 21 is three times seven, so it's you know a, a kind of divinely ordered amount of time. So I, I was fighting against the Prince of Persia, and then Michael comes and rescues me, kind of tag team style. Michael tags this angel. This angel gets it. Now I'm here. Isn't that so cool? Yeah. Verse 15: While he was saying this to me, I bowed my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then, went who looked like a man touched my lips. And I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And I said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. Um, You know, again, he says this about three times in in, in verse uh, 10, verse 18, uh, chapter 9, verse 23. You who are highly esteemed. Man, how encouraging to have an angel tell you. You know, (coughs) Daniel not only do you have a reputation on the job and with your peers, you have a reputation in heaven. You are highly esteemed. Uh, that is so cool. Uh, and, uh, and so he comes in, in verse 12. He says, your words were heard. I have come in response to them. Again, prayer engages heavenly forces. It's like special ops from heaven. They're sent out. Okay, they're praying. Boom, let's go. You know, it's, why don't we pray more, Right. Uh, we we had a our mission point last week and Mark Shizimoto, uh led us. Uh, he's our mission point leader and we, we had a discussion about prayer and then we spent some time praying. And Mark talked about how, you know, it's so weird that we don't pray. Sometimes we feel like praying, you know, I just want to go out and be with God. I want to go to the cliffs and spend all this time with God. But he said, that's not very often. Most of the time it's like, okay, I got to have a quiet time. Okay, I got to pray. <coughs> and yet... If we really understand what prayer does, if we really understand the spiritual battle and what prayer really means, I believe we'll we'll be more uh, men and women of prayer. And speaking of that, I I mentioned uh, we're starting a new prayer group on the on the the app. Uh, So if you go to registration on this app, when we're done here, you can sign up for the prayer group or you can submit a prayer request. And so we've been praying through those things. I'll send out another email on Monday that has updated prayer requests. So if you'd like to join us, I just really think we need to be known for our prayer in this church. Uh, Wrestling in prayer is the way we're gonna conquer Satan. He says in verse 13, the prince of Persia resisted me 21 days. This is spiritual opposition. We all face spiritual opposition, whether we know it or not. I don't know who exactly the prince of Persia is. We're gonna talk about angels here in a minute. But Persia was the reigning empire at the time that daniel was under he says after the prince of persia is going to come the prince of greece so what that leads us to believe is that there are spiritual forces at work behind the 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 principalities and the authorities that we see on earth right. there are spiritual realities behind those things there's a, there are spiritual battles going on that we don't even know about that 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 are kind of behind the scenes behind some of this stuff that plays out on earth and so we we can't be overwhelmed. You know, when we see different things happening, we got to trust. God is in control. Uh, God is in control. Even, even when it looks dark, even when it looks bleak, God is, is ruling. God is in control. The angel says, peace, be strong. Now be strong. You know, these angels, these spiritual, uh, beings that help us and support us will give us strength. And so I want to talk about angels here for a minute. This is the type of thing that, again, we could spend an hour just talking about angels. So I put a lot of detail in the app for you. If you have the, the app so you can uh, do a Bible study on your own. I put a lot of scriptures on angels in there. Some of this I got from a <clears throat> book called Seeing the Unseen by Joe Beam. If you're interested in studying more. But angels aren't like people. They are, they are, the Bible says that people are made a little lower than the angels. So they're a higher order of being, whatever that means. They are created beings. They were made through the word of God through Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth so they are created beings they have free will just like we do um, they aren't omnipotent there are things that they don't understand everything just like we don't understand everything um, they're just following God's orders and in this verse here first Peter or second Peter is it first or second first Peter 1 12, uh, Peter says even angels long to look into such things the things that we are going through in the kingdom of God, angels are like, wow, I, I want to understand this more. This is amazing. What do angels do in our lives? What do they, what do they look like? Uh, you know, we have this picture of angels, that, like it's a female with wings and a little halo and kind of pretty. And that's not what you see in the Bible. Uh, they aren't really necessarily male or female. When when they do appear, they usually appear as a man. They usually says it, it appears as a man. Not Nothing against women. I don't, I don't, but they're not they they aren't they aren't sexual beings you know jesus says in the when we go to heaven we are going to be like the angels we won't be married anymore so there won't be male or female uh and that's what angels are like but they appeared in a lot of different ways they appeared as a serpent uh an an evil angel appeared as a serpent i lost my place oh here we are Uh, they appeared as men to abraham and lot an angel appeared to moses as flames in a burning bush Angels can appear as wind or flames of fire. Angels can appear as horses or chariots of fire. Uh, They can be invisible until they decide to reveal themselves, like in Numbers 22. They can be a terrifying appearance. And and I put verses for each one of these in the app so you can research those more on your own. But why are they here? They're here to to minister to the faithful. I love this verse. Hebrews 1.14, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? You know, God and the angels want to help you in the spiritual battle, but we've got to ask and we've got to engage and we've got to be in the battle ourselves and ask for help. And God will give us help. Amen. Uh, God uses angels to carry messages from him to man. And there's a lot of verses on that uh, that I put in, in there for you to, to study if you'd like. You know, you picture the angel appearing to Mary and telling her what would happen to her um, or the angel appearing to the women of the tomb saying he, he's not here. He's risen. You know, they they bring, they're messengers from God that bring us messages. God uses angels to arrange blessings for humans. Uh, You know, when Abraham needed a wife for his son Isaac, he told his servant, don't worry, the angel of the Lord will go ahead of you and will make arrangements. That's an interesting story because you never see this angel at work, but things just line out the right way. And isn't that how things go with the kingdom of God sometimes? You know, you don't maybe see a physical angel, but Somehow it all, it works. You know, God works it out. And that's what Abraham said would happen there with, with his uh, son Isaac. Angels deliver us from harm. I love this verse, Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. And uh, angel, an angel delivered Peter from prison. Uh, many of us know uh, that story. I think I, I have it on the screen here. Yeah, Peter says, I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. Now, do angels always rescue us? No, not always. Peter went to his death later, but it wasn't the time right here. And so we, we trust God and we trust his big, big picture time and we know he's in control and we can completely trust him. We don't have to stress out or be anxious about the, spirit, the forces of, of evil that we see around us. Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't know if I've ever seen an actual angel. I have a story that um, kind of you know makes me feel like maybe it was one. I don't know. But um, in our church, we kind of went through a, a tough time in our congregation back in the early 2000s, 2003, 2004. Uh, I was working in the ministry. I was young in the ministry. I went into the ministry in 2000. And it was just a time where if you were a minister, you were under a lot of criticism. We'll just say it that way. Like, it was a culture of criticism. And uh, I, you know, I was getting a little weary. You know, this was maybe 2004 or so. I, I was feeling like, is this even the right thing for me to be doing? I'm getting worn out. And I'd gotten this, you know, I'm trying to do my best and I'm trying to preach the word. And I gotten this email that had like a seven point critique of my lesson um, that Sunday, which, amen. But this, it's one thing. I mean, I need to be humble. I need to get you know, input from anybody and I, I struggle with pride. So that's my struggle. But then on the other hand, this was a brother that he, it was one of those things where my, my contribution to the ministry will be to give my opinions. You know what I mean? I'm not, no, no, no. Don't ask me to do communion. No, no, no. Don't ask me to lead a group. No, no, no. Don't ask me to do the offering. I just want to be here and give my opinions. That's my contribution. You know, it was one of those. So I was just struggling And I have this hill by my house where I go pray. Uh, A lot of you guys know, we call it the Mount of the Lord's Blessing. Because when my kids were little, uh, you know, we would talk about going up there and praying. And you know, in the Bible, a lot of times they name different mountains. So we named it the Mount of the Lord's Blessing. But it's it's on Hawthorne and PCH, you see that round hill right there. So I go up on the top of there and I pray. So I was up there praying and I was frustrated and I was feeling, you know, I don't know if I want to keep doing this or whatever. And this guy shows up on his bike, and it was just about this time of year. It was like a week away from Easter. And uh, so I was praying about Easter. We were going to have a service down in San Pedro there on the rocks. and um, Anyway, this guy shows up, and he's like, what are you doing up here? And I'm like, I'm praying. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm having a kind of a hard time. Uh, you know, I'm working in the ministry, and it's just kind of having a hard time. And I kid you not, he said, people just don't understand all that you do behind the scenes. like what Uh, it was so weird he's like people don't understand all that goes into ministry and so I felt like going are you an angel (laughs) but I just was like what's your name and I I invited him to the Easter service the next Sunday and he kind of rode off on his bike mysteriously and then um, he gave me his number and I called and left a message. I didn't get a hold of him. At the Easter service, he was there. He was like out in the crowd. But then um, after it was over, I looked for him and he was gone. And, you know, he just vanished. No, he didn't just vanish. <laughs> yeah, like a miss. He dematerialized. But I, uh, you know, I, I tried calling his number and then it was his number was disconnected. And uh, so I don't know, you know, if it was just... A person that an angel was encouraging me through or if it was an actual angel or what but but it's just cool to think about God you know giving us little encouragements and doesn't that happen a lot when we're like if you just as long as you go I'm never gonna quit I'm never gonna give up I'm gonna keep going God will just sometimes just give you this little encouragement you're like wow thank you God wow that that, that was just what I needed and so that's just how God works all right Daniel 11 uh I am not even going to uh, try to get into this chapter because this is really deep stuff. In Daniel 11, remember the the angel says, I'm going to tell you about a war. So Daniel 11 is him telling him about this war and it's the kings of the north versus the kings of the south. In John Oak's book, uh, Daniel, Prophet to the Nations, he goes into a lot of detail on this. The other thing you can do is go to his website, which is evidenceforchristianity.org, or just do a Google search for John Oaks, J-O-H-N-O-A-K-E-S, John Oaks. He goes into a lot of detail, but he, uh, the, the kings of the north uh, against the kings of the south seem to be in this Greek period, the Ptolemies against the Seleucids. And these, these two fan- warring uh, things because the detail it gives is exactly what happened in history. That's why a lot of people think Daniel was written much later in about, about 165 because the, the detail is exactly perfect to exactly what happened. Like it talks about this one king who gives his daughter in marriage to this other king and these different things that happen. So it's very, very, very specific. And that is, is exactly what happened in history between these two warring factions. And this is about Antiochus. In, in verse 31, it says, His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. With flattery, he will corrupt those who violated the covenant, but people who know their God will firmly resist him. Again, that's talking about Antiochus, and he's one of these figures in this Greek battle. Then at the end of Daniel, scholars go, well, the detail shifts, and we don't, under- we don't know what that's about. But what, what John Oaks argues is that the end of Daniel is actually fulfilled perfectly if you fast forward to the Roman Empire and Augustus Caesar against Mark Antony. So Augustus Caesar up north against Mark Antony down in Egypt, kings of the north against kings of the south, and, and that detail matches exactly. So it's, a, it's again, it's kind of like we said, apocalyptic jumps around. So if that's true, there's over 100 years between Daniel 1135 and Daniel 1136, So it's talking about one thing, but then it jumps over to another thing that's similar. That doesn't seem unusual to me because like we've already looked at how Antiochus and Domitian, it kind of goes back and forth between those two. And in Revelation, it does something much similar. Um, Anyway, what does this mean for us? For us, it means there will always be war. There will always be political struggle until Jesus comes back. There will always be worldly powers fighting against one another. And we can't let it make us depressed or feel like there's no hope, or we can't let us get let it get to us. there's There's been crazy stuff on earth. If you think it's crazy now, I mean, just think about the last hundred years. Think about World War I and all the people that died in trench warfare. Think about World War II and the millions and millions and millions of people who were killed. I mean, fifty million people were killed in in, in Russia, from Stalin. And, and And the thing about all that is it showed, uh, the 20th century showed that modernism does not work. Yeah. That, that the progression of human thought, right. uh, you, you follow it to its end and it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And so now people are like, we don't know what to believe. So now we have postmodernism. We're like, I don't know, let's just try to believe everything. Maybe horoscopes, maybe there's, an anim- maybe there's a spirit in that tree over there. You know, it's kind of like everything goes now because right. <coughs> humanism doesn't work. Yeah. What a time for the kingdom of God. And so Daniel can give us hope in, in these times that we are part of the kingdom of God. We have a place in God's story. We've got to be faithful. Even when it looks like it's bleak, God is still ruling the nations. And a lot of times it's the darkest times that are setting up for something to happen. You know, when you're in a theater and everything goes dark, it's because they're setting the stage for something new. So a lot of times when it's dark, we go, what, what, where is God? What's going on? It's because he's setting the stage. And the lights are going to come up and it's going to be something amazing that he's doing. Second point, faithful living brings future glory. And my dad's going to come up here in just a second and talk more on this point uh, and share a real life, put it, put some flesh on the bones, a real life story. But in Daniel 12, um, I'm just going to read here a little bit in, in, starting in verse one. It says, at that time, Michael, the great prince, again, this is an angel who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the books will be delivered. Again, just context. This is still part of that one angel that said, I came in response. The Prince of Persia tried to keep me. But now I'm here to tell you this is still part of his revelation. Are you with me? So now he's talking about the distant future. So for us, this is still future at this point. Uh. He says, but at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Verse two, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You know, this is one of the few places in the Old Testament where we really see resurrection clearly Uh, explain that this is going to happen and this is absolutely what Jesus taught that there will be a resurrection of the dead and that is coming Uh, just as Daniel prophesied if all these things came true like with these kings and with the and empires and all this stuff don't you think these spiritual predictions are going to come true Uh, so we'll skip down to the end here verse (coughs) 9 he replied go your way Daniel because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end Many will be purified, made spotless, and refined. That's us. You know, we've been baptized, we've been washed, we've been cleansed of our sins. I love this verse. But the wicked will continue to be wicked. Thousands of years go by, and the wicked continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. We're going to look at a verse uh, with Easter next week about where Peter says... You know, people scoff and say, where is this coming the Lord promised? And that was in Peter's time. People go, oh yeah, where is this coming? Things just go on like they have for a long time. Don't you hear that? Oh, I don't know. That's kind of a bunch of malarkey. I mean, it's been 2,000 years. But what does that passage say? With the Lord, a 1,000 years are like a day, and a day are like a 1,000 years. So in God's timing, it's been how long since Jesus rose from the dead? Two days. days. So it's still coming. Verse 11, from the time the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days, blesses the one who waits and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. I don't recommend you try to figure out how many days has it been. You know, this is symbolic stuff. The point is stick around. (laughs) Don't quit. No matter how hard it gets. Verse 13, as for you, go your way till the end. You will rest and then at the end of days you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. That's our, our theme for Easter next week, I will rise. And I just wanna remind you to, to we're gonna hopefully have a lot of visitors here and at our San Pedro service. So we, are all, we all need to be in the mode of, of hospitality. Right. Be our guest, be our guest, you know. <laughs> that needs to be our, our spirit next week because we're gonna have a lot, don't be like, hey, that was my seat, you know. <laughs> like, hey, how are you? Would you like to come over for dinner? You know, I appreciate the, the Benguards. Uh, we invited the Benguards to church. And the first time they came, you know, we're doing all this other stuff. We, we didn't even see them. But Clay and Lynn saw them. And Clay and Lynn are like, hey, would you like to come to our house for dinner? Yeah. You know, that's awesome. That's what we need to be. Yeah. Super hospitable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you will rise at the end of the days. You will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. What really matters? What really matters is living a holy life. You will rest, then you will rise. This is all of our future glory if we hold on to our faith and if we continue in what God has promised us. I'm going to turn it over to my dad right now, and, and he's going to share a few things and then uh, lead us in a perfect communion. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.